Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. David Hellwood, um, when we saw each other at the uh, another opening night of Cabaret, because mm. they keep having the new cast, um, we had this fantastic conversation and you completely inspired my younger daughter because you were talking about being a member of the NYT National Youth. Mm, yeah. Is that where it all started for you? I guess. I mean, it started at school. Um, um, I was just a classroom clown who always used to mess about, never... I was rubbish at school. I never got education. I never got academia. Because you weren't interested because you wanted to be just an actor? Didn't, no, I don't, just didn't... It just didn't compute. You know, I was sort of having such a great time playing football and rugby and tennis with my mates and athletics, and I loved it as a club, as a place to go. You know? yeah. I loved it. But I, the work you had to do when you were there sort of went over my head. And I, rem- I can remember sitting in, in one, of, I think it was an English exam, history exam, and I sort of, I remember, you know, as you do, you flick through all the questions, and I'd flick through all the questions, and I sort of couldn't answer, I couldn't answer any of them. And I, <laughs> I sort of looked round to giggle at my mates, and they were all busy writing. And it suddenly hit me, I thought, they're on a different trajectory. You know, they'd re- they'd... They'd revise. You said rehearse. I'd rehearse. You say, yes, I know, I get that. I get they, that. They had obviously been revising and yeah. getting their stuff together. And I suddenly turned around and thought, I- I- I'm different. And and I blagged it through. Got I think I got a C or something. Um, Without writing anything? You're a genius. I, I, no, David, I'm impressed. I wrote, I, I wrote bits and pieces, but I, I think I got a C. I, I just about scraped a pass. Um, but then started looking, because I didn't want to go to university. I thought, I can't do this. And and suddenly, a teacher called me up and said, "Come into the school." And I went into the school, and he said, "What are you going to do when you leave?" And I hadn't really had got a clue. And I said, "I don't know, sir." And he said, "Well, we've been talking in the staff room, and we think you should be an actor." It was an absolute so... light bulb eureka moment. I went, "That makes oh. total sense." And I that was it. From that moment on, I decided to be an actor. And auditioned. He got for... a lot to thank that teacher. Oh, yeah. I've my, my, met him since and thanked him. And, and Really? Yeah, of course. Did a documentary where I went back to Birmingham. Yeah, and, you went back to Birmingham. And met yeah. him and, and we, we, that, we, we giggle about it. But that is, you know, that was for the documentary. But I love the idea that you, as you know what I mean, away from all of that, that you call him up and you say that you were my light bulb moment. Yeah. Not, a, not a lot of people know or can 
remember what that moment was. Oh, it's completely. That that was it. And I saw I auditioned then for the Birmingham Youth Theatre, got rejected, and about a week later auditioned for the National Youth Theatre and got accepted. And that the National Youth Theatre was my first the first time I found my tribe. You know, where yeah. you find your tribe yeah. of people. And I thought, this lot, I love this. All the improvising, the messing around. They were exactly like me. You know, and I suddenly thought, this is what it this is what I was born to do because I came alive and all the silly voices and the you know, all of the stuff I did at the back of class, I was now doing in scene work. And it felt pretty easy for me because I that's it came very naturally. Does acting still feel like that now? Pretty much. I mean, um it feel it feel, it's fun. And as long as it remains fun, um uh that you know, that's a good sign. Has it ever not been fun? Then? Oh yeah, yeah. The acting. Yeah. Really. When um, when I was struggling, you know, I was struggling to before I went to America. You know, I wasn't really working very much, and um, there's nothing like thinking. You, you know, you need the, you need you got to pay the rent. Yeah. And um, you know, some script comes through the door, and you think, I don't want to do that, but I need the money, and. You know, that's where I was before I went to America. And I hated it. I hated those that those years of having to take jobs that I didn't want to do, but I needed to pay the rent. So, but was that fire always burning, even when you did those jobs? Would If you were... No. It wasn't? No. I mean, oh, wow. And, and, okay. and, and, you know, if, if your heart's not in it, um, you know, it's, it's a pretty soul-destroying profession. Um I, I don't want to paint a picture that it's... That no, it's the best job in the world when you're working. When you're enjoying it. Yeah. And when you're having fun, mm. and which is 95% of the time. But, you know, there, are, there have been times in my career where I've hated it. And that well, that contributed to my breakdown. You know, going on stage drunk, going on stage high, just to get through it. I mean, it was just a nightmare. I hated it. So, so there have been times when I've totally lost the desire for it why did you go on stage in that part if you were that unhappy or was it a case of paying the rent was that no that only... was a job i'd taken it was my second second professional job and um i i knew i shouldn't have done it and i and but i was sort of bullied into it and um i was inex very inexperienced mm. um and, and i sort of got talked into it and um i hated it absolutely oh, so hated it and it was a tour on these national tours so you were you know you were jumping in a van and driving off to another location after four days and l l as soon as it started as soon as it started went up and opened it, i mean it was a night really it was i'm a, pleased you can laugh about it now i though. can now because yeah. you know I've, I've written about it but it, it was a really awful gig yeah uh three-hander and one the, the one of them Kept forgetting their lines, uh, and 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 never knew what what I would never knew what was going to come out of his mouth, and then the other one who was playing my my wife, um, just decided to stick her tongue down my throat one night on stage, and I was like, where did that? What? Hell? Yeah, I was like, where did that come from? And she kind of walked off stage, and she was like, no, I'm changing all the blocking. I know what this play's about, and just decided to put it on me on stage, and um, I, I was obviously thrown by this. Just a bit, and yeah. very uncomfortable, and uh, she just decided that that's what the play was about, and 
wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> and it was it was my second job out of drama school. I was fending off this, you know, rather rather uh, this, this this creature, <laughs> and um, uh, you know, the other guy forgetting his lines, and it was just awful. That's how, yes, I can. I, yeah. And I had to do, and I had four months to go, so I had to I had to. Um, get through it. Put my so head you down. coped in the coped. way that you knew, which was drank, drinking. Smoked. Right. It was the most unhappy I've ever been, and um, um, that certainly contributed to my breakdown. Do you know? So what? What I love is that you, obviously, your book, which I've read, um, it's an incredible book. It's very funny as well. It is, yeah. It's very honest, very, but it is funny, and 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 I remember. Thinking, oh, I don't know if I can say that it's funny, <laughs> but you, but you didn't do it. It's very serious, and there's some very heavy mm. parts of it. But there is humour there, and I talking to you now, I can see you saying about something that was the most unhappy time, and yet you lot, there is humour in it. Yeah, in those times. I think you, you, I mean, you know, I think once, once you can, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of work, you know, on. Um, in therapy and, uh, you know, with, in, by, by writing the book, making that documentary, investigating what all that was about, my breakdown was about. Done a lot of um, digging in and um, kind of looking at myself. And that's valuable work. And you sort of, um, I, you know, if I hadn't processed it, I probably wouldn't be able to laugh about it. But... Um, at the time, you probably weren't laughing. Not at all, no. It was no. horrendous. Horrendous experience. <laughs> Do you know what's so good as well that you've been so honest about things that people don't usually talk about? Because people talk about mental health and as a sort of big, broad umbrella mm. spectrum. But you talk about a part of it that not as many people are open about. Which part is that? Well, all all the stuff, the psychosis, the mm. the the voices, mm. the all of those things. People I'm Joe Joe Tresini, he talks about it now, and everyone says, Oh, that's that's what my child's like. Mm. Oh, that's what I'm like. And suddenly people go, I'm not a freak. I'm not on my own. Mm. And that's what you've done for a lot of people. Did you think doing your book and doing the documentary and everything, did, did you think I'm going to be helping a lot of people? No. I, 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 I was just curious at first. I thought, you know, I, I actually thought I was going to remember some of the more... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> To use the word crazy because so, you are euphoric there's, there's, there's elements of euphoria really high, real euphoria before your crash most people who experience psychosis particularly um and people who are bipolar as well they have these real highs mm. talking a thousand miles an hour very very fast great ideas oh my god this is a great idea let's go for a walk right now and you know it's like you you're in a state of a heightened state of awareness and there were some really incredible moments that i i I remember, and I thought I was going to find all that stuff, <laughs> but I found all the trauma, mm. and uh, that was I wasn't expecting that, and uh, that then it sent me on a huge spiral, uh, where that it, it took me about four years to process, um, partly partly from um, seeing my medical records and seeing everything that I was speaking about and everything that I was every drug I was given. Um, so and and so when it when when it, 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 it the documentary didn't come out for another year after we made it, and by then I'd sort of sort of righted the ship, and um, 
I didn't watch it when it came on TV. You didn't? No. My, my, I, I picked up anxiety in the house. And uh, I was right. My, my, my wife said, you know, what about the kids? You know, they're going to go to school tomorrow and someone's going to say something. And I hadn't even thought about that. And I suddenly thought, God, I've really messed up here. And I've really, and then an advert came on the telly, and I was like, oh my God. And I was really panicking. And I thought, oh, I'll ruin my career. I'm. Did you really? Yeah, think I really, that? I thought for a moment, I thought I'd ruin my career. And I thought, you know, as an actor, I guess there's, there's a degree of mystique required. But I literally ran naked through the village. Yeah. <laughs> I went, yeah. And, and, um, and I, and I suddenly realised, and when it was the night it was on, that I'd really let people in. And I was really panicking about that. But literally, as soon as it finished, and I didn't watch it, I went to bed, uh, and I was just about to drift off to sleep, and it must have finished because every device in my house was beeping, buzzing, vibrating, making noises. And they were all emails and text messages and voice messages from people just saying, brilliant, oh my God, amazing, had no idea, why haven't you told me about this? And, and some really lovely, warm messages from people I really respect. Um, and you hadn't told them? No. Uh, wow, that's uh, and, interesting. And, and then literally the next day it was, I couldn't, I couldn't walk two metres without someone stopping me in the street and sort of saying, thank you. You know, that happened to my mum or that happened to my dad. And you're standing on the street corner literally blubbing your eyes out because it's a really emotional thing. Yeah. And uh, I didn't expect any of that. I didn't expect any of it. And actually, for a couple of weeks, it was, it left me quite vulnerable because I didn't quite know. Well, you have. You, as you said, you ran through naked. Yeah. Everybody it saw was everything. Very uncomfortable. Your insides, your yeah. thoughts, your feelings, your, your emotions. And, but you did help people. So the fact that you know that now, looking back, are you pleased that you did it now? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I was pleased when I did it then. I just had to get... You had to go through those go couple to, of go, weeks. Go through it. And, yeah. um, you know, the, writing the book was a a further examination of it, much deeper examination of it, because I actually read my re medical records, and that sent me down a huge rabbit hole. Um, reading your disturbed 20-year-old mm, mm, mm. self yeah. that was over-medicated and locked in a mental institution. Locked in a mental institution. Yeah. It's quite... Do you remember that yeah. time? I remember moments of it, yeah. Vividly. Even though you were heavily medicated. Yeah. I can remember certain mornings or, you know, getting out of bed certain mornings. There's lots of it that I recount in the book, the yeah. thing about the calendar. I was going to say the calendar. I remember that. Yeah. You know, so the little moments that are very vivid for me. And then some moments when you suddenly go, oh, my God, that's where that memory comes from. Here's a weird thing, though. Do you Are you at the stage now where you don't want to talk about it anymore because you feel you've talked about it enough? I'm only at the st that stage because I fear someone listening to this podcast might say, he said that before. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I've now been back two years uh, from, from America. And it's almost, I guess it's almost a little bit like, oh, David Hale's back, you know, can we get him, can we get him in? And No, I, I didn't know. I, I mean, no. I've interviewed you before and, mm. I, and it wasn't like that at all. I, I mean, I just... I I got I, I can't even remember the very first time um, I interviewed you. It was so many years ago. Yes. But you've always struck me as somebody who's passionate about what you do, and I mm. like people who are passionate. And but you were never this open because first that wasn't all out then. I would say you were an actor. Yeah, I'm a different person. And the 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 doc in the book 
and the therapy <laughs> has been, I wish I'd have done it years ago. Mm. I really do. I wish, I wish I'd have, I feel like I've been a bit of a phony for about 30 years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh gosh, that, that's quite a heavy thing yeah. to put on your own shoulders. But, but it's only because I, all the stuff I found during making the documentary, that's the real stuff. And, yeah. and that has cracked open my sort of outer shell of bullshit and um, made me have a real look inside. And um, I feel so much more honest and That's so much lovely. more myself, which is I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it because at least well, now... Well, hello, I, David. I, hello, then. hello, David. Hello, David. There hello, you are. David. There you are. But, OK, so let's go to America because you said, you know, all that awful show that you were doing, three-hander. Um, this is all before you went to America. Mm. And then suddenly it all changed for you. Yeah. So you were living the actor's dream. So all of my friends who trained at GSA with me, or everybody said, you know what, one day I want to make it in America. That move and doing it, mm. did you have the job before or did you go to America first and then get the job? No, well, I, you know, you'd go, there's this awful thing called pilot season where, you know, everybody, everybody decamps to L.A. and it, it's, a, it's a bit of a cattle market. You know, you really, you turn up there, no one knows who you are and you walk, it's next. <laughs> you know, it's that sort, that yeah. sort of thing. And there's like a hundred people in, in, in the outer room, some of them gorgeous, some of them overweight, some of them black, some of them white, some of them... You know, and you just think, you're looking around going, he's going to get the part. Oh, no, he's going to get the part. Oh, no. Oh, no, oh. Well, he's going to get the part. And then you sort, you sort of, and then it's your turn, and you walk in and you do it, and thank you, next. And that was, I did that for a couple of years, uh, because my agent, knew, when I, I signed a with A couple an, of years? Yeah. I, I, I signed with an agent, and she was very much aware of where I was in my career, which was, um, you know, you, you get to a point, Oh, well, I did, and I think a lot of black actors get to that point in this country where you've just hit the ceiling. There's just nothing for you to do. And even though I had a great um, younger, as, as a young young actor, I had a great time. But when you reach that maturity, you, you know, you need you need a big you need a part. You need mm. juicy parts, and they just weren't there. Uh, because you were a black actor, or because of an actor of a certain age, you think? Uh, I, I would say, I would say. Um, because they don't write them for black actors, right? Uh, or they don't think of black actors in in for the. If you think about it, in my lifetime, there's only two dramas that I can remember that have got a black lead actor. Two, in my entire lifetime, I've been acting for thirty five years, and I can think of Idris yeah. in Luther, yeah, in Luther, and uh, Hustle, uh, Adrian, Adrian, Adrian Lester. Two. That's very shocking. So if you think about that. That's just how special, you know, those opportunities are for black actors. But well, they shouldn't be. Exactly. That's <laughs> I mean, why, that's just crazy. That's why uh, I did, you know, I, I, my agent knew I had to get to America. I knew I, because there's more work, there's more opportunity there. So I did this, the cattle call for a couple of years. Yeah. What were you doing in between? Picking up bits in, picking up bits there. That's when I started to fall out of love with it because right, okay. I'm clearly, you know, I'd walk off stage playing Othello. And then be up for you know four lines in a BBC drama, and you think, well, why haven't got the lead? Why aren't I the lead? Why I? Why can't I get a better part in that? Yeah. And it was just so it was a couple of years of real frustration because I couldn't just couldn't crack television here. Mm. Um, even though I'd done a lot of television, um, uh, and done a lot of work, maybe I should have been choosy. I don't know, but but um, I just kind of hit that ceiling, and it just did the same. 
Uh, Lenny James did the same. Uh, Eamon Walker did the same. And they're all, they all went to America and had successful careers. So that was the path for black actors. Once they, once, once you get known here and then you can't get to that next level, you head over to stateside. And it's, for the younger actors, it's, it's now a trodden, well-trodden path. So the likes of Daniel Kaluuya and, um, uh, what a lovely lad. Wonderful lad. But again, without having the, having to go through the trauma of all the bullshit that we had to go through, mm. he, he made a couple of good shows here and then gone. Because, and that's the, that's the journey for young black actors now. They but it should be here. Sorry, it, it should actually be available it's here. It's still not. It's wrong. It's that's still not. He, it, it's, it's, and you know, I've been back two years, as I said, I've been back two years and most of the really good juicy scripts I get are still American. Like, let's, let's stay in America before we come back here because, um, Homeland, of course, mm. a massive show. I've actually, that was, so I remember interviewing you before you went to America. Then I remember interviewing you when you were in Homeland and you were back here doing yeah. interviews. Um, and you were, you were loving it. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I mean, look, I mean, I, the, the, when I, when I got Homeland, uh, uh, I was, I hadn't worked for a year. Uh, my, I, my best friend had just passed away. Um, uh, so I was kind of emotionally a bit sort of broken. Uh, I, I, there was just, there hadn't been any work. Uh, I did a job at the National Theatre. Uh, first job in like nine months I did this, and it was wonderful, but um, um, it, it was uh, it was a great piece, Welcome to Thebes, it was called. Richard Eyre was directing. And I got the call to say, oh, my American manager says, oh, there's a script here called Homeland, and no, you should put yourself up for it. And I, I didn't have the confidence to do it. I said, no, I can't do that. And, and he sent it to me again and said, put yourself on tape. So I recorded it on my phone, not this very phone, but my, on, my, on my phone, stuck it on the windowsill, press record, did the whole thing, sent it off thinking they'll never watch that. And they did watch it. I love that, you see. And um, within, literally within two weeks, I was, of doing the audition, I was... Two weeks? Yeah. I remember because it was around Christmas when, I, when, we, when we finished and they were shooting early January, and they couldn't find anyone to play the role. That's, what, that's why they were searching. They couldn't find someone to play David Estes. Couldn't find the right actor. And it started off as a white actor, then it went to sort of female, and then they thought, no, that doesn't work. And, and let's just cast it. you were the right one. They saw the you net. and you were the right one. Yeah, I was in the literally right place, right time. So, um, But that changed your life, didn't it? Is totally, that dramatic? To, totally. Too dramatic? Okay. Well, from, from being skint yeah. and, and, and you know, pretty broken, I was... A year later, I'm, you know, living in, in in America and, you know, at the Golden Globes, you know, walking past De Niro, DiCaprio, all the other Ds. Did you please, did you stop oh, and talk to them? Yeah, of course I did. Good I grabbed, man. I grabbed uh, Sidney Poitiers, even Sidney Poitiers, <gasps> on the way to the bog. What did you, what did you say? I was on the way to the bog okay. and I saw him. I went, oh my God. And I just literally, I was Mr. Shaky Hands. I just put my hand down and I was shaking his hand going, you have no idea how much you meant to me. I'm so, it just, uh, and I was like completely fanboying. And he must've looked at me and thought, uh, you know, who, who the hell is this? But uh, I, I just said, you mean so much to me and thank you so much for oh. all your work. Uh, um, it's just an, an honour and uh, you know, all, all the fluff. Did he say anything? No, I think he was just a bit overwhelmed. No, I love that. <laughs> so you actually shook his hand. Completely, yeah. 
grabbed him, Mr. Shaky Hand, oh, wouldn't see, let him go. I love that. <laughs> and you need to do those things. I think, you know, it's, you, I'm, I much prefer it when people are like that. I've done it to a few people. I just, I sort of get sort of blubbery and go, oh, I can't believe it. I remember doing it to, to somebody and, and at the time, um, the guy that I was with said, I can't believe you just did that. I said, do you know what? I'm going to be able to tell my grandchildren that mm. I shook his hand. Yeah. It's that feeling. And, you know, a lot of people would rather that than can I have a selfie? Yes. You know what I mean? A selfie is nothing. And, in fact, I worked with Lawrence Fishburne um, in, in South Africa one, one time. And every time someone asked him for a selfie, he'd say, no, but let's have a chat. Let's have a chat. How are you? How's your day? And have that little bit of interaction and then say, off you go. See you later. Cheers and all the best. Thanks. Nice meeting you. Rather than the, yeah, that means nothing. So, so I understand why people would prefer that to have someone come up to them and say, shake your hand and yeah. give you a give you a good boosting, rather than, can I just have a selfie? Yeah, outside, no. Outside Tesco's. So anyone that's listening, shake their hand. Don't <laughs> ask for a selfie. So Homeland happened, and then so do you feel part? I mean, obviously, then Supergirl and my my sixteen year old. She's sixteen now, but um, at the time, and I. She was watching it and you were on. I said, oh, I know him. No, you don't, Mum. <laughs> I do. I've interviewed him recently. No, you haven't. It was, it was, it was a few years ago. I went, no, I really have. She went, no. And she just, it was so funny. Mm. Like, no, he's super good. You're sort of untouchable, yeah. unreal. And, and, then he, and then imagine me in Tesco's in Stratton. <laughs> well, I love it because people look at you and go, what? How are you here? That's lovely, though. That's normal. It is, and I'm very normal, uh, to a to maybe to a fault. I think. Uh, I think sometimes you need to. Maybe you need to give yourself a bit of a boosting. I don't know, but um, have you had somebody come and do the handshake with you? Oh, lo loads. Oh, I see. And what do they say? Um, I hope you get young black actors coming up to you and saying thank you because you. I do. I get a lot of that, and I, and and I, I'll tell you one really special one I had the other day. Um, and again, all your listeners probably heard these stories now, but um, I was walking down Stratham High Road and this rather large black gentleman kind of spotted me across the road and just made a beeline for me. I thought, oh, here we go. And he just grabbed my hand and, he, and I could kind of see him sort of welling up. Or he was welling up and I was like, oh. And he said, I just, want, I just want to say, I was in prison when I watched your documentary. I'm like, what? He went, yeah. He said, I was, I was, I was just going, I was, I was in one, I was on one. And uh, the guard said to me, you need to watch this documentary from this guy, David Harewood. And I said, I followed him off. He said, but the next day I was really not in a good state of mind. And I asked him for the keys to the library. I said, when? And I got your documentary. And he said, I burst into tears. He said, it's the first time I realised I've got a mental health condition. Or I've got depression. And he said, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't seen your documentary. I just want to say thank you very much. He just walked off. That's, that's that, very special. That, for me, is worth... All the awards. Of course it is. That's really special. <clears throat> wow. See, and look, there'll be so many others that haven't checked, that haven't come up to you and said that that you're going to have had. Mm. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But let's go back to the escapism and the the, the joy of acting. Yep. Um, for you, uh, now you're back here. Mm-hmm. If you get the call from America, is it jump on a plane and go straight back again? Pretty much. It is. Um, but, but, you know. I mean, you've just done that amazing show in the West End and, mm. you know, rave reviews mm. again. You know, you're, I don't know if you read reviews. I don't know how you cope with the reviews, but they were great. Just in case you haven't read them. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I, read a, I read a few and, yeah, I was really pleased. We're all, we were all really pleased with the, with, with the piece. Um, uh, but, uh, you know... Um, it, it's 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 that's the business. The business is the business, and and you know it, that play came to an end, and there wasn't really anything there. You know, it wasn't. It's not like I mean, people think I'm like fending off scripts and wading through scripts as I walk in the door. It's not like that. And um, you know, unfortunately, there weren't. There was a lot. There was a lot of opportunities after the play. Towards the end of the the end of the the run, there were you know a few a few offers of of, of work, but they just weren't good enough. Right, and um, they weren't the things that you wanted. The one, not to the do. things that I want to do. Right, and I've done a lot, and so it's got to be something which is pretty good to get me out of bed, and you know, because of the work I've done in the states, I'm, I wouldn't. I'm not. I'm comfortable. You know, I, I can I, I can afford to say no for for a bit. But that's the strongest thing to say no. Yeah. In anything, whatever job it is, it's not just acting and music and all the rest of it. To be able to have the strength mm. inside you to say, actually, that's a no. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, but no. Yeah. Um, but you've said yes to some. I mean, you've 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 played some of the greatest people that have ever in history as mm. well. You know, Mandela and, and Martin Luther King and. Playing people like that, that must be something so deep inside you where you just go, well, that's an honour. Oh, yeah. And you start off in panic. You know, you always think... Did you? Yeah, you always do. You always... It's like any part, any big part, you think, I can't do this, I can't do this. That little voice saying, I can't do that. And then you sort of, you know, especially with with Mandela, now reading reading Long Walk to Freedom, which was an amazing book. But you, you sort of... You sort of have to digest all of this whole icon, and then narrow it down to the man. And and what I've learned now is that's all. That's all you can do is you, is everyone's got their idea of what this person is, and there's all videotape of some of these people. But then at the end of the day, you sort of just whittle it down to the man. Because you're not doing an impression. No, you weren't doing an impression. I don't think so. Um, no, you weren't. Uh, but and, and sometimes I initially I was when I played Mandela. Um, 
and I had to kind of soften it a little bit. But um, uh, it, it, I mean, it's great to be able to experience that. And I almost met him because I was playing him. I was in South Africa. Person I always wanted to meet. I, so that was a bit of a shame. But um, it's a joy to play those people. Real, real joy. Re playing real people is always great. Really? Yeah. Is it not tougher? Because no. all the videos are out there. Exactly. So, so you kind of think someone out there might be watching that and think, that's off the mark. So you just try your best to, I, I do anyway, I just try my best to, best to you know, to, to give it full, uh, do it as honestly as I can. And one of the great things about playing William F. Buckley, who was a white conservative, how the hell, I, and I turned that down initially, I thought there's no way I can play that. But actually getting to know him and uh, I strangely enough began to admire him uh, in a very bizarre way. And so it was quite a fond a portrayal in the end. I thought I was going to play him like some sort of cold sort of white nationalist. But 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 um, he, I, I found him very warm, humorous, very funny, loved his, adored his wife and um, uh, and, and yes, said some things early in the 60s that were that impacted the black community very badly mm. but changed his changed his viewpoint uh, mm. after king died and um in in the end was supporting civil rights so and sort of breaking away from the from the more sort of ideological elements within the white nationalist side on 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 the right they just sort of peeled peeled back from that so 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 and, and it was wonderful to have these these elderly americans when they saw the show going, my God, you captured him so well. And you think, you know, here's me, a black Englishman, capturing elements of uh, William F. Buckley, a white conservative, that they they actually said some, yeah, that, that you caught him really well. You caught oh, that's manner, fantastic. Caught his manner, caught his voice. Yeah, that was wonderful. So I, so I, I, that's the nature of it. It's the essence, the essence of, I mean, Damien telling me that, Damien Lewis was telling me that when he, when he auditioned for, um, Band of Brothers, uh, which was a huge part for him, uh, and he, he he told me the story when it, it, it was obviously down to two actors, and he turned up at the studio, and he said he saw this square jawed, handsome, huge American guy, and he, he said obviously that's that's him. He said that is him, and he just thought I'm, I'm not going to get this gig. Uh, the guy went in, came out, they kind of nodded on the way out. On, on his way out and Damien went in, did his thing and he got the job and he asked the director why and he said, it's all about essence. It's not about what you look like. It's about that's the really That's so useful for every mm. actor who's listening to this. Just, if you've got actor. the essence of the character, you're in. Doesn't matter what you look like. That's such good advice. With your, the other thing that you talk about, obviously being, you are a black actor, you're a black man. Uh, we, you've talked a lot about that and you've, you, I, I'm, I, I think the thing I'm most fascinated by, obviously, is the portrait being done mm. in Harewood House mm. and learning all of that that you let, that you learnt and about your family and, I just, I, I still, I'm heartbroken that that fight is still needing to be fought. Whether it's racism, uh, homophobia, sexism, uh, anti-Semitism. Mm, it's crazy. Just, uh, I find it utterly heartbreaking that we're in 2023. It seems to be coming back in various places. It's just, why? I, I think... Why is there so much hate? We've created this... Uh, 
a very uh, antagonistic society. Twitter, uh, you know, us and them, left, right, and we, the, our ways of communicating now are so easy, and our silos silos have become so defined mm. that we kind of stop listening to each other. And um, you know, it's it's voices on the right and voices on the left, and that's it. And the 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 I personally think that uh, the voices on the right are getting louder, and um, as they sort of lose the battle, because younger people are much more progressive, gender mm. gender mm. fluid, uh, with race with with race, they, they they're much more easygoing and quickly, and I think there's a an older an older uh, 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 element that are sort of hanging on to the old world. Desperately want to, you know, put a, start building walls and fences and saying we want to stop this progressive not we we want to keep it as it is, and um, it, it's increasingly difficult to do that. But I think those voices on the right are getting louder, and unfortunately, some of them are getting quite popular. But also, there are people who, like you, who are outspoken. Many people who are outspoken. Yeah, but are I don't. Think, but I don't know if there's anybody globally. On on the oh, le- yes. on, on the left, who's got a real track for it? I, you know, you know I, I think that people are listening to. Mm, I don't know if there really is anybody there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they exist, but uh, it's worrying how the more I say attractive voices, but the more because they are the louder voices, the, the louder, louder voices are on the right. I mean, look at Brexit. You know, what was it Farage the other day saying Brexit has failed? I mean, it's extraordinary that the man who you know, banged on about it for so long. He's now going, you know what? It's failed. What about all the promises, Nige? What about all the things that we were supposed to get, Nige? Nothing. Have you sat opposite him at a table? Nothing. Have you ever had that conversation? No, I'm not sure how I would relate to someone like that. I'd watch that. I'm not, you know. I'd watch you and Nigel Farage. What? Well, he's, you know, he's he's articulate and and political. And, uh, you know, but I'm just astonished that, that... he still exists and BBC will still have him on the show and Sky interviewed him the other day and, you know, he's on GB News and you just think, oh, what have we learned from all that? Nothing. What have we got from it? Nothing. Will you make that programme? <laughs> Harewood meets Farage. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching. I will be watching. Um, so all of side everything that we've said, you do smile a lot. And I, so I want to know what makes you properly laugh. Do you well, laugh? Do you belly laugh? I used to belly. I don't laugh as you much. You don't belly laugh anymore. Not as I mean, I do, but not as not as much as I used to. Why is that? Um, I'm not around the people who make me belly laugh. Who are the as people much. that make you belly laugh? Well, my friend who who sadly passed away. That was somebody who would always make me belly laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he was my best mate. I'm and, so sorry. Um, uh, losing him. Just before I got, actually, I got home when I, I like, so I lost, I lost him. Didn't work for nine months because I couldn't get my head together. Yeah, was very nearly went under financially, and then when I got Homeland, the day I got Homeland, it was his birthday. No, he was, he's watching he over you. He was the you. guy. Who always, he always said, "You're going to make it. You're going to make it." He was the only one. He said, "You're going to make it." So to get Homeland on his birthday, and it's literally been. A, a he's step, watching you. Of course he is. So I sort of, I, occasionally I'll be... What's uh, his name? Louis. Louis. I'll be in the garden and I'll just go... <laughs> I'll just do something that we... A silly voice we used to do. Yeah. And I'll just be laughing. That's uh, lovely. But there's not many people 
who who can do that. Uh, and I miss them. I miss. I miss there's a, there are a couple of people that, that that I that I know that I still laugh with. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, do I, you I, call I, them and say I need a laugh? Um, do you know what? That's a good idea, and I should do it. I should because I need to laugh more. I, I don't think I, la I laugh enough. Okay, I call used to them laugh up. a lot. Do you know, it's really interesting when I, I sometimes put that out on socials. I'll say, do me a favour today, just call that person that you were meaning to call. Um, I, I, you know, everybody knows that Paula Grady was one of my dearest friends. And I had in my phone call Savage and and he died. And I and I'd put it in about three days before. I thought, I haven't spoken to Savage for a few weeks. And we used to speak a lot and we laughed. Oh, my God. Did mm. laugh. So I just remind people. Just call Absolutely. that person. Yeah, it's important. You never know. So you do it. Never, I will. After this. I will. All right, walk out of here and call them. <laughs> That'd be so nice. What are their names? Gary. Okay, Gary. You expect the, <laughs> Hopefully he would have called you by now, Gary. Uh, David Harewood, it's just always lovely to see you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for being so open. Thank you. Thank you.